Welcome to System Mastery, faithful adherents. We're here to discuss a comic book role-playing game today, which you know we love. And despite some duds in the past, editor's note, see episodes where we didn't like the game, I've got a good feeling about this one. Exceptional! So let's discuss Sentinels the Role-Playing Game, a game about a comic universe that only sort of exists. It's complicated. On today's System Mastery, enough spoken. Before we get started today, as is often the case nowadays, we have a quick ad read for one of our listeners. So I'm going to kick the mic over to John, who's going to be reading this week's announcement. As hey. always, if you... Not yet. God yeah. damn it. Hey, God, fucking Jesus. Gee, Christ, uh, professionalism. Hold as up a always, flag. If you, <laughs> if you would like an announcement mastery, go to our website, systemmasterypodcast.com. There's a give us some money button. And if you click on that button, then you'll be taken to a spot where you can purchase the ad. It's very simple, very affordable, and a good deal to do. And now, with this week's ad, John. Am I good? Not now. No. Fuck, what the hell? Yes, no, you're good. Go ahead. All right. You may remember, comics, games, and things, they've... uh advertised with us before they're back if you don't remember comics games and things is an online hobby store that carries model kits paints miniatures games rpg books and a large variety of 3d printable files so if you're interested in an affordable alternative for science fiction tabletop miniatures check out the makers cults feudal guard and dark techno models dark foundries technops dynasties and crucible of games two Pie line. Yeah. All of those, I'm going to assume, will uh, pretty easily slot up with some other stuff. Yeah, probably. I don't know if I would exactly guess what Feudal Guard is the same thing as. Who could say? I'm not going to say. Who could possibly? Prefer large-scale space battles? Check out ships from Soulforge Studios. Explore past releases by buying directly on our site at comicsgamesandthings.com. And if you don't have a 3D printer, Comics, Games, and Things offers a commission 3D printing service. And if that's you... a good deal, because oh, yeah. obviously I don't have a 3D printing computer yet. No. Good Lord, no. No. I uh, would say I'm pretty far from that. If you can't find what you're looking for on the store, you can also just shoot them an email at shop at comicsgamesandthings.com, and they can special order for you or help you find files that they can print. And That's awesome. This week, when this comes out, this week, pay attention. It is <laughs> the 22nd of February while I read this, probably the 23rd tomorrow. when it comes out. This there week. There you go. They are running a special System Mastery giveaway where two people will get a Sentinels Comics RPG starter set and one person will get the full core book. So just head over to www.comicsgamesandthings.com slash giveaways while you're signed in. There's one entry per person, no purchase necessary, valid in the U.S. for persons 18 years of age or older. They will take entries until the end of February. So you've only got a few days to get in there, just this week. And they yep, will... It's a five-day period. We are going to announce winners 
on the next episode. Mm-hmm. So once again, that's comicsgamesandthings.com slash giveaways. Uh, you'll just need to create a login, but otherwise no purchase necessary, and you could win the book that we reviewed, or we are about to view, review, this very week. This very week. So get on that. And otherwise, why don't we get on making the show? Welcome back, everybody. Hello, it's System Mastery. I am Jeff, your ever-present host, except when I'm in the hospital, uh, and also joined, as always, by my co-host, who's never been in the hospital, as far as I can tell, John. True, I am actually indestructible. I mean, I assume you have to have had been in the hospital at some point in my life, but I can't remember the time. Mm. I'm older than you, so you have never existed while I have not. Just think about that. Ah, you've never had a moment alone on this earth without me. It never happened for you. Never happened. Yeah, it probably well, writers will. Writers made that it. one up. <laughs> nope. Uh. So, <laughs> how are you? I'm doing good. I, uh, I'm feeling all <laughs> rough and ready. <laughs> you feeling all rough trade? I'm feeling all free trade. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Organic, free trade, farm raised, free. I, I don't think you'd really do well in a free range environment. No, I, I think uh, free range. I've been a ruined. free range. John is yeah. A free range. John is pretty much identical to a caged John in most respects. <laughs> well, I do know that uh, at this point you cannot release me back into the wild because I cannot fend for myself. No, you'd mostly hang around piers and beg people for fish. Hey, 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 you going to eat that? Hey, <laughs> hey, give me fish. Hey, you hey, give some put some fish down. <laughs> I wonder if that's a viable model of panhandling. Just swim out to the end of a pier and just hang or tread water out there and be like, hey, hey, throw me fish. Hey, 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 you. Yeah, I know you hear me. Throw me some fish. Come on, buddy. Fish now. <laughs> do it right here in my mouth. That's where fish goes. Come on, dude. I think that's a uh, I think that's something you should definitely try if you can swim out to the end of a pier, which I do not know. That would be a if you... devilishly clever plan if I didn't absolutely hate fish. <laughs> oh right, that's also a problem. So you'd have to be out there being like, "Hey, hey, throw me fried shrimp." <laughs> I'd just yeah, be I out fry at like San Francisco Bay and be like, "Hey, give me a bread bowl. Don't put anything in <laughs> Pour it." Chowder down. <laughs> Pour chowder down here. Put chowder on me. Pour some chowder on me. Boy, am I ever glad the mic broke when you were doing that. Huh? Okay, so we are here to talk about Sentinels, the role-playing game. And this game's got kind of a convoluted history that we might as well start with. Yeah. Um, Sentinels, the role-playing game, is based on Sentinels of the Multiverse, a card game, uh, like a PvE LCG card game. Actually, not an LCG. Uh, LCG mm. is uh, more of a term of you're still deck building like you would in a CCG or a TCG, but uh, you know exactly what you're going to get in any pack that you buy rather than randomized. Whereas this is a fully self-contained game. Like anytime you pick up a deck for one of the heroes, it is just that deck. You don't change anything. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing you can change is sort of your main 
uh, character card for who you're playing. So there are variants of heroes. Well, thank you for the definition, because I had long been unclear on those. In fact, I still don't know. You just said TCG, and I, other than trading or the, I don't know what that stands for. A trading card game, which yes. okay. is completely interchangeable with CCG. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, yeah, it's a self-contained, it's just like a cardboard game then. Uh, that's I thought it was counted as an LCG because it had so many expansions that came out over the years. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a game where you play as various superheroes, so each deck of cards is a superhero, and you fight against various bosses who also have, or supervillains, who also have their own decks of cards. Mm-hmm. And they're AI-driven. It's not a 1v-mini type scenario. The bosses play themselves. It's a pretty fun card game. Oh, yeah. Super fun. I don't know that... It was, you know, did very well when it came out, oh, yeah. and like you mm-hmm. said, has a ton of expansions, and, and I uh, have all of them. This is kind of my jam. Oh, yeah. It's because it's so self-contained that you don't have to worry about like, oh, I need to make a deck for a certain hero or anything like that. You really can just go, oh, I I want to play as, you know, whatever hero equivalent you want to do and just grab that and go. Yeah. Now, the one thing I would say is that while the RPG is very new, it's only been out a few weeks, uh, and I think the PDF release is going to happen either while we're making this episode or it's already slightly happened, uh, The it's not a great time to go jumping into the card game because there is another edition announced that's going to be coming out on Kickstarter fairly soon. So yeah. if, you're, if, you're, if you're interested in the card game, uh, find a friend who has it and play with them, but don't buy in right now because they have a brand new Shining Edition coming very soon. Yeah, I mean, if no. you want to get the, uh, they have like a version of the game on Steam that's fairly cheap that you mm-hmm. could play. There's there's a lot of stuff that has been done for this Sentinels universe. They have their own video game. They've got, you know, so many expansions and a role-playing game in Sentinel Comics, the, role- the role-playing game. So it's I think uh, they have like at least two video games, right? Or you're just you're you're saying that the uh, computer version of the game is not it? Yeah, okay, I'm up to speed. Yeah, they they actually have a like click adventure, not well, not point and click adventure, but you know, an action point, sort of like Shadowrun in the way that it plays RPG mm-hmm. game for the computer. It's, it's neat. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it, it's a good company. Um, I mean, only slightly biased because we recently hung out with one of the creators and, and played this game with them. Uh, but we were planning to do a review of this game anyway, so we're just striding and pushing on ahead. Oh, yeah. So the role-playing game came out via Kickstarter. Oh, gosh, I've had my copy a couple of months now. Uh, it's a relatively new game, and I'm can't. i I'm just really excited about it because it's something I enjoyed, and I thought it'd be kind of fun to share with people. Yeah. And the thing... The reason I enjoy this game so much is because it has a random-esque character creation system. Uh, and by random-esque, I mean you're not rolling for your stats, and you're not. there's not really a lot of, ran- of uh, true random chance. It's, it's hard to screw up. But there are a lot of random rolls that feel good and build very well towards a playable character. And we're going to get into that character creation system uh pretty much right away because it'll also help explain the gameplay mechanic uh, the the tools that you use to play the game which are vaguely cortex inspired but not actually cortex or cortex plus yes 
I mean, one of the things, at least to mention, before we really get into the, you know, meat and crunch of the game, is the card game and the video game and all that, there's, like any given comic book property, it has a ton of lore, there's a ton of stuff behind it, but (laughs) with the Sentinel Comics RPG, this takes place... Think of it essentially like starting in on reading some DC after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Like, yeah, it's right after a hard reboot, more not really a reboot, but a a, a a table sweeping. Yeah, there's a lot that has been just either you know wiped away or pruned out. Things got much simpler, but there's also essentially the setting is very ripe for. We need new heroes because there was just a giant, you know, monster that attacked and killed a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that's that's definitely, I mentioned it in the intro to the show, but a neat thing about the, the Sentinels universe is that while there's role-playing games, video games, card games, uh, a board game that's currently in Kickstarter development, although the Kickstarter has ended, there's all kinds of stuff that's floating around out there. The one thing there isn't really is comic books. Uh, mm-hmm. This is... This is all created as if there was a comic book series that was long running and dating back to the 30s and 40s. Uh, there isn't, actually. But, you know, they do a very good job of playing in full kayfabe mode and just pretending, that, oh, yeah, there absolutely is. We know what intro- we know what episode every character was introduced or issue every character was introduced in. We know what they've looked like through every age of comics. It's uh, It's very detailed. Yeah. To the uh, point where some characters, including one of my favorites, Unity, uh, was introduced on a '90s kids cartoon show that never existed. I can't. I love that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, and the nice thing is, you don't need to know any of that to play the game. Like the universe that it takes place in is very much generic enough of a comic book setting that you could make whatever hero and whatever villain you want and still play in setting. But it also, I mean, especially when we get into the uh, rules of this, this is a game that very easily skins to whatever you would like things to be. So if you wanted to say, oh, I'm going to use this to play a game in, you know, Marvel or DC or whatever, you could pretty easily do that. It's not really going to be like, oh, this, the, the setting of this influences the character so much that it cannot be divorced from it. Yeah. Now I know this is kind of a break from the way that our show normally works. And, and, and uh, I'll be honest, I was super excited about this game. I backed the Kickstarter and when it came, I could not have been happier with the results. Oh, I actually could have been. There are a few minor points I'll make as we're making our way through, but uh, it is a fantastic game that I've enjoyed greatly since getting it. And I'm just going to lay that on the table early. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to be surprised about this. Um, and yes, uh, since then, I've started just making characters at a, at a ridiculous pace. And you, I've made DC characters, Marvel characters, uh, D&D characters, old City of Heroes PCs that I used to play as. Uh, and I don't know. Anime I've also characters. Made, I was going to say anime works just fine. We, we did a bunch of My Hero Academia builds. Yeah. No, I've got at least, I'd say, two dozen saved characters in my uh, Sentinels file right now. And there are so many that are just like, oh, this is from this or that. Like, I even made versions of, like, I've got Brainiac or 
uh, Midoriya. I've got a whole bunch of random nonsense. And then, like, I made versions of my character from the AP that I am in, Arms of the Tide. Check that out now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Get right over there. Yeah. And Stop it's, listening to this. It's great for anything where someone's got some powers. Yeah. And it's an interesting blend because it works for virtually any power because they make the powers more or less just dice that you have as opposed to, you know, the, each each power works with a very specific type of functionality to it. Uh, but it's it's a, a blend right in the middle between the crunch of, you know, like a Heroes Unlimited or a Marvel superheroes role playing game and a very story driven game like a Masks where you don't really use powers so much as you use themes that 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 powers would otherwise fit to. Uh, it, it's somewhere in the middle between them, and it does come out fairly nicely. Uh, but to get into the core mechanic of the game, uh, anytime that you're called on to roll dice, unless it's something special going on, you're going to assemble a three-die pool, and we'll go over how you generate those three dice and where the, where the, uh, the dice come from, uh, and you're going to take the middle result, which is to say if you roll a two, a six, and an eight, you're going to take the six. And that's the absolute basic core mechanic of the game. Yeah, that is the sort of generic actions that you could take if you don't mm -hmm. have uh, power or anything that affects that role. Uh, any of the standard actions you can take, and there are uh, four of them. Yes. Yeah, I believe that's right. I think there might be five. five. I, yeah, there's five. Yeah. I wasn't thinking of defend, but yeah, there's attack, defend, uh, hinder, boost, and overcome. And so it's, you know... Pretty much what it sounds like, you can either hit someone, stop someone from being hit, uh, give someone a bonus, give someone a penalty, and then overcome is the sort of catch-all, I want to do something that isn't related to combat or another person. So, you know, that's your hack into the mainframe or, you know, lift up a steel girder, whatever you have to do to, you know, save civilians or put out a fire, that's your generic role for that. Yes. Uh, so those five, if you're doing any one of those five things, then you're just picking up three dice from three columns, which are clearly marked, are marked on the character sheet, uh, and rolling those three dice and taking the middle result. And now that rarely happens in actual gameplay uh, because there are so many different things that you can do with your, with your powers uh, via abilities, uh, via your uh, principles, that you're almost always going to be taking different results off your dice or, or assigning more than one die to do things and so on. But uh, if you don't have any relevant abilities to apply, there's always that basic action you can take. Uh, yeah. We mentioned in there boost and hinder. Uh, those may sound a little, I mean, they're pretty obvious what they do, but definitely a little more abstracted than attack and defend. Well, yeah. I mean, I mentioned it's just give a bonus or give a penalty, so... Yes, yeah. So you just take the middlemost die, compare it against the table, and it tells you how much of a, a penalty or a, a, a bonus to add to to either yourself or someone else. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, the next thing that, to re that we'd really want to talk about in this is one of the coolest things about it, uh, which is the gyro system. Yes. That is yeah, so the at the core of pretty much everything in this, and that stands for green, yellow, red, and out. Mm-hmm. So one of the complaints that you get a lot of the time about uh, about role-playing games, uh, I know it's one that I levy even on my, my own favorite role-playing games, like 4th uh, Edition D&D &D has the problem, is that combat takes too long. 
Uh, there's just there's no reason if you're if you've got things under control not to let the combat stretch out and just be leisurely to avoid damage to avoid anything uh, un- unexpected or negative happening and it can take forever but this game is specifically designed with a system that that kind of shakes until the center can't hold anymore uh everything gets more extreme and powerful including you and the villains right up until things all fall apart in every every combat sequence yeah everything has a timer there is always going to be a uh, environment in whatever you're doing. And so as you go, the environment also goes and it ticks down. And if you aren't done by the time the timer is done, bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just a horrible thing occurs. And then the, the, the person running the game will tell you what happened and what you need to do. Yeah. You effectively just never want to get to that point. Okay, so the the uh it's called green, yellow, red because it is actually a color coordinated function that will inform almost every level of gameplay in the game. Because there are there you'll have green, yellow, and red abilities. Uh one of the three columns that generate dice is simply informed by whether you're in the green, yellow, or red zone. Uh and there is an environment tracker, as John mentioned, that that goes from green to yellow to red. Uh, that will unlock new threats as it makes its way between them. So it, it it's just a a progressive thing where the, G, the the gyro system makes its way into every aspect of the game. Uh, out is what happens if you get knocked out. Uh, it's it's what's go. It also what happens if you go beyond red, then everyone's out and the combat's over. But if you personally lose enough health that you get knocked to zero, you go to out, uh, and. That doesn't mean you're done playing. In, instead, you move to your out ability, which is the thing that you can do when you are no longer fighting. Yeah, everyone has an out ability. So even if you get dropped to zero, you're still taking a turn. You're still contributing. It's just effectively think of it as my character has been, you know, beaten or, you know, is so fatigued, whatever, that... They can barely do something, but there's always something you can do. You can always, you know, either inspire someone and give them a boost, or you can do like a defend where you're not really able to do much else, but you can throw up something to stop damage from coming in. There's always something. Yeah, exactly. It's a, I really like that it more or less allows you to define why you're out. I think that's an innovative thing that I like to see more and more of in role-playing games nowadays. The other thing about this and the the, uh, the environment tracker and the out mechanic I like is that they are direct parallels to things that made up the card game. Uh, the card game always had an environment deck that was playing and kind of upping the stakes every, every round of play in the card game, uh, just like this does. And similarly, there was an out ability that if your character in the card game got knocked unconscious or just taken out of the fight, they were still doing something every round, just so you didn't feel bad if there was another 20 minutes of play. Oh, yeah. And, you know, just like in any given board game, having a player be knocked out of the game while everyone else is still playing sucks ass. Uh, so too does the idea of having someone like if you're having a big climactic fight and somebody manages to take enough damage to get, you know, killed or taken to zero, really, then them just going, cool, you guys have fun, kind of sucks too. So the fact that this game very much is about the increase of tension, 
but there's never a point where you're like, and I'm just not able to be invested anymore. Like, there's mm-hmm. always a reason to be paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. So, when we get to character creation, uh, there are four key elements to character creation uh, that will provide you with all of the dice that you're going to be using throughout the course of the game. But everything uh, changed when the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> uh, good one. Uh, elements. I'm excited. Uh. <laughs> I don't remember the rest of that intro. I haven't watched the, the show in years. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, I watched all of it. I, is it a shame that I haven't revisited it? I guess maybe a little? I guess maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I enjoyed it when I watched it. I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm afraid if I watch it again, it won't hold up. Also, nowadays, isn't one of them like super unpopular for some, like the, like one of the creators? Didn't he milkshake duck for some reason? I don't know. I know nothing about mm, a lot of stuff. Because I know that people are always complaining about his current Netflix show, like the Dragon Prince or whatever. Oh, was and then, he involved with that? I mean, this has nothing to do with the game, but yeah. It's the, it's the same guy, Aaron Ehas. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard something yeah. about that. I didn't watch yeah, that show, I, so I have no idea. Yeah, but I've seen people be like, oh, I would never watch that Dragon Prince show. He's got Aaron Ehas in it. And I'm like, isn't he like the head writer and creator on Avatar? And they're like, yeah, shut up about that, though. That's This is a disconnect I've, I've been willing to make. <laughs> but I'm already connected to that. I don't, <laughs> I don't have the connection to this yet. Yeah, I don't. I, but again, I don't even know what he did. That's the milkshake duck where I've forgotten what it was. Yep. All right. So the four background elements I was talking about, or the four characteristic elements I was talking about are background, power source, archetype, and personality. And each one of those informs some aspect of your character that helps build you some role-playing co- tools, also helps give you your powers, your qualities, which are basically this game's equivalent to, like, skills, and your... Uh, what you even call that last section? Status die, uh, which is the one that more or less tracks you from from g- green, yellow to red. Mm-hmm. And this is where that random element comes in that I like so much. Because each one of these has about, oh, 20 or so uh, different el- p- possible results on a table that you can generate. So, for example, for background, you can get things like academic or former villain or uh, otherworldly, unknown, where you don't even know your own background. Uh, they will provide you with a couple of qualities, a principle, give you a little bit of a backstory to your character, uh, and you determine if you want to, you can just pick one, but to randomly determine them, you're going to roll 2d10 and take the result of either d10 or the two results added together. Yeah, now this is the guided way to make a character. You can just make a character by picking whatever thing makes sense. Like, if you already have a character in mind... Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, no, I I already know what I want my character to be. You know, I'm making a Batman type thing, so I really want my background to be upper class or maybe tragic. So instead yeah. of relying on the dice, you can always do that. But honestly, the guided method, if you aren't trying to make a very specific character, will surprise you in how good it is at making an interesting character by itself. Yeah, you'll come out the other end of it being like, huh, I actually like this character and it. It feels right, and because there's a little bit of fluidity in the random selection, because again, like I said, you roll 2d10, and you can take either d10 result or the value of the two of them added together, you're ending up with three options, uh, and three, two, two or three options is what it's going to look like at every step of the way. Yeah, so you've always got, you know, some wiggle room where even if, you know, you want to do the random rolls, you still have a thing where, like, if you roll up 
law enforcement and military and former villain, you might look at that and go, well, I don't want law enforcement because, you know, all cops are bastards. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and take, <laughs> you know, former villain because I also don't like the military. Great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you like villains. But I love villains because they can have well, complex reasons for why they might be called villains. No, that's perfectly fine. And um, I can plus, see that I will have to teach you how to be <laughs> villains. I was like, who's going to get there first? Who who has the Lazy Town reference on speed dial? <laughs> well, given that I show a three-year-old that video, ooh, almost every night. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, you're right. Especially if I have to pick the lesser of three evils, I'm going to pick the one that doesn't actually exist. Yeah. That's that's a pretty solid choice. Uh the the uh, thing you're going to get out of backgrounds is a couple of they'll they'll give you a couple of dice uh and they'll tell you to assign a few dice. So for example, if you take if you roll a 1 and you'd like to be upper class, it'll tell you to uh, assign a d10 and a d8 to two qualities and they give you a little options list and I think it's like fitness, persuasion and the mental category. Uh there is a page that has all of the qualities and all of the powers on it so it's fairly easy to find. Uh you're going to just write down those qualities in a quality column on your character sheet. Uh, and whenever you are assembling a die pool, that's going to be one of your three dice is, is some quality, some, uh, uh, some applicable quality to whatever it is you're trying to do. Yeah. So the important thing to remember though, with the qualities, uh, and it's nice. They do put little asterisks next to them. Uh, the mental quality or the athletic powers are the two categories where that will affect your possible hit points at the end. So when it yes. says, you know, as upper class, you can pick from fitness, persuasion, or select something from the mental qualities category, you know, at least at that point you can go, oh, I should, you know, maybe put something in the mental category so that I've got a thing that will help my hit points. Yeah, it might jack up your health later in the game. Um so that's going to be your first choice. It'll also tell you to choose a specific type of principle. I think there's four or five categories of principles. Uh, principles, I don't want to say that there's game's alignment, but that's kind of the closest thing that you can use as a term. Uh, it, for example, again, taking upper class, it tells you to write down a responsibility principle at this point. Uh, responsibility principles are going to be uh, things, you know, like, uh, oh, I'm... I'm I'm responsible to the people. I'm responsible to uh, my own superpowers, uh, to my team, uh, to to this, the uh, taking care of youth, that kind of thing. They will be a guiding, well, principle that your character lives by and and operates under. Yeah. So uh, there are various categories of them, and so you don't just mm -hmm. have like responsibility principle as a thing. You have a responsibility principle, and you pick one of the many things under it and each one is yeah sort of flavored towards something so like if you get an identity principle it's something that is very much keyed into who you are how do you present yourself whereas responsibility is more like how do you live your life and if you get something like expertise, it's something that you're particularly good at and proud of being good at. Esoteric is the one for people who are 
you know, different from the from the norm in some way. There are things like, oh, I have a, a strong connection to the inner demons inside me or to space. Yeah, or I'm undead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, princi- we'll get into principles in greater detail later, but right now that is one of the things that uh, the first category of character creation generates. There's mm-hmm. a, You'll get two of them, and the other one will show up during your archetype creation step. So once you've got a background, the last thing it'll have in that list is a set of dice that you're supposed to roll. So, for example, again, going back to upper class, it tells you to roll a D10 and two D8. Now, you'll remember when we talked about how to roll up your background, you picked, you rolled two D10 and you picked uh, the result of either one or the two of them added together. It's the same thing here. You're going to roll a D10 and two D8. You'll take the value of any single die or any two of those dice added together. Yeah, and that so will go point, to your you're actually looking at uh, thing that you're doing, which will be power source. Power source. So at this point, you're moving from having uh, as many as three options, because you can have as few as two. If you happen to roll the same die twice, if you roll five, five, then you can either choose five, five, or ten. But here, you're going to have a few more options. Power source is what powers your, or where your character's powers came from, why your character has superpowers or it, super advanced training or whatever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they range from things like accident, radiation, cursed, uh, uh, extra-dimensional, powered by by space, that kind of thing, being an alien, uh, that sort of thing. These will actually give you powers, which is the last unmentioned category. I mean, we haven't really talked too much about status dice yet, so let's just say yeah. that, yeah, there's a powers category uh, that superpowers goes into, and you're going to start getting some of these in this power source step. Yeah. Yeah, you'll, you'll remember you you rolled three dice. In this case, because we're doing upper class, you rolled a D10 and two D8. Uh, it'll tell you to assign those dice to some powers. Yeah, so at that point, uh, unlike the thing where it said, oh, you, you're upper class, you have a D10 and a D8 to assign to these, it's just whatever you got from that, this time a D10 and two D8. And mm-hmm. after you roll them, don't worry about what numbers they rolled. It's not like that matters. It's just the size of the die. But, you know, if I decide, oh, I'm, you know, again, going with the whole Batman thing, uh, I'll take training as my power source. And then mm-hmm. that tells you a list of things that you can pick from for powers. So you could pick from, like, gadgets or vehicles, weapons, athletic powers, or intellectual powers. And yeah. then you take those three dice, you're going to get three powers from one of those categories, or any mm-hmm. of those categories, rather. Yes, exactly. Uh, now, again, it's the same page where there's a quality list, there's a list of superpowers. You're going to notice when you're making your character here that uh, they don't the powers themselves don't really do anything. They're just a list. So you'll, th- you'll see things like, oh, what's under elemental energy? Well, cold, cosmic, electricity, fire, uh, and so on. You're going to pick between one of these, and honestly... For the most part, these are interchangeable. If you have oh, Sonic, yeah. then you have the same effect as if you had Infernal. You can fire or blast out energy, or you are somehow connected to energy of the Sonic or Infernal variety. Now, yeah, there the, are the game, unlike, say, a lot of other superhero games, which really want to say, like, oh, if you have elasticity, it does this very specific thing. Uh, but if you have, like, density control and you can make yourself like vision either, you know, less or more dense, say, then that has its own set of powers. In this, those are both under the self-control category, 
And honestly, as far as the game mechanics is concerned, if you assign a D10, they're just a D10 that you get. Yeah, as long as the dice are the same, they are identical in terms of functional mechanics uh, because they're both under the self-control category. That said, they do a tremendous amount to inform the role-playing choices as to how you describe what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to recognize right away that there's a huge difference between elasticity and density control. You're also going to notice that Martian Manhunter has both. In fact, he pretty much has this entire category, plus several of the other categories. Martian Manhunter has too many powers. I mean, he doesn't really have elasticity as much as he has shape-changing, which is its own thing. You really think, is there a huge difference? I mean, he, I know he can stretch his arm out if he wants to, to catch someone that's like 10 feet away without having to turn into something else. Hmm. He pretty much just has, uh, Martian Manhunter has too many powers. I'm just, I, I you know, don't don't. Let's take a stand. Me. Yeah, let's just go ahead and put the, our foot down right now. Choose a few of them. There's too many. Y'all, y'all dipped too much. Yeah, and I know that that's common among the big-name DC superheroes, that it feels like they just have every power. Like Batman, you keep talking, oh, he could be upper class, and he'd probably be training. And I'm like, yeah, he could be seven of the backgrounds and six of the of the power sources. Batman's been around for 85 years, and there's just too much shit. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's the problem with DC. Hey, everyone who likes DC, come at me. Your heroes have too much shit. <laughs> who still likes DC? Who this morning wa- woke up, looked at Twitter, saw that picture of the Joker dressed as Jesus, and was like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm still on board. <laughs> I guess I can't blame DC Comics for that. That's Zack Snyder's fault, and probably Jared Leto's. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't put it past Jared Leto to have shown up in that outfit and been like, fucking work with it. What are you going to do, bro? How many condoms do you want me to send you? Because it's one if you if you work with this, and ten if you don't. <laughs> Varying degrees of use. <laughs> they get increasingly filthy. Some of them I didn't even use. <laughs> some of some of them I found. And honestly, the ones I didn't use, those are the good ones. <laughs> anyway, uh, you're going to assign dice to, to some powers in a variety of categories. The categories, athletic, elemental energy, uh, intellectual, materials, self-control, psychic, mobility, and technological there is another category called Hallmark, uh, but that's one that is entirely for things that are created by you and the DM. Uh, the only two that are listed are Signature Vehicle and Signature Weapons. Yeah, and that is a thing that this game has as well, is they're like, if you look at all of the powers that we have that cover so much stuff, but you're like, actually, I have a very specific power in mind because I'm trying to make a very weird character, then you can say, all right, let me make up a Hallmark power and, you know, let me put some dice in that. Maybe I have fourth wall breaking as a superpower because I'm Psycho Pirate or Deadpool or whatever, and I can use that to do stuff or Gwenpool. Great. Cool. That's a Hallmark power. It's not one of the base ones that are in the game, but you can just sort of make one up if you need to. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it's useful to be there. Plus, there are a couple of powers that are already listed under it to make up for characters that absolutely need some kind of item uh, to really define their character. Like if your character is the Black Knight and you really need that sword, then you can put signature weaponry down and uh, and have that that sword be one of your powers. Yeah, because while it does have a you know tech area where you're like, oh, you could have gadgets or things like that but if you're just like yeah but i don't have gadgets plural my whole thing is you know i'm sandman and i have a gas gun and that is my gadget 
then you could have a yeah. signature weapon. Yeah, even in the universe of Sentinel comics, there are characters that obviously are going to need to take the signature weaponry power. Um, Fanatic absolutely needs her, her sword. Yeah. And I assume that while uh, Expatriate has like 11 named weapons, one of them probably counts as her hallmark weapon. I'm guessing it's the two pistols. Yeah. It's uh, Pride so. and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. She she ha- absolutely has to have them. She can probably count them as a single hallmark weapon and move on. Yeah, it's my it's my two guns, sense and sensibility. <laughs> oh shoot, I got <laughs> I got Abraham Lincoln and Vampire Hunter. <laughs> uh, Actually, that'd be pretty cool names for guns. So I have an entire brace of guns. This is Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, and Spy. <laughs> oh, that's weird. I have Sleepy, Dopey, Happy, Sneezy litigious oh litigious that's my favorite gun (laughs) anyway after you choose these powers you're going to assign dice out to a couple of powers mark them in that category of your sheet and then it's going to tell you to generate some abilities abilities in these games are ways you can use your powers and qualities uh to in special ways that other players may not be able to yeah this is the point where what you're doing will be very different. Like, if I take training and I take, you know, the athletic power of strength and someone else has experimentation and they take the power of strength, on paper, those can both be the same thing, but the training powers and the experimentation powers that you can pick from, as far as your uh, abilities are concerned, will be different. So your options Mm -hmm. on how to use them. Uh, abilities come in three uh, colors, which are just, once again, tying back into the gyro system. If an ability is yellow, you can use it if either your health or the scene tracker is in the yellow phase. Uh, if it's green, you can always use it. And if it's red, you have to wait all the way till you're nearly uh, knocked out or till the, the environment has decided that everything is going to total hell. Oh, yeah. Then you can use your red abilities when it's desperate. Yes, they are desperate abilities. Uh, the, you primarily are getting yellow powers in the power source step. So these are things you can use when, you know, the shit has started to hit the fan, which is very quickly. Cause if you look at the standard gyro for a scene tracker, you get two rounds of green and then four rounds of yellow. Yeah. And given that, you know, the way that you play is sort of going around, there's no set, uh, initiative. It's just somebody will go and they'll point to someone else to go and this pointing includes you know the bad guys and also the scene if Mm -hmm. the scene goes before the players twice then you got one round of green before you jumped into the yellow so you could be in yellow very quickly in a game yeah uh so while they, they come in three colors they also come in three types uh, those three types are A for active, R for reaction, or I for innate. Uh, active is just every time it's your turn, you say, like, I'm going to use this pa- this ability. Uh, and then you just sort of do what the instructions for the, uh, for the p- ability tell you. R is, it'll give you a trigger for when you're allowed to use that reaction. You can only use one reaction between your turn and your turn again, unless, it sa- unless you have a power that says otherwise. And innate is just passive. It's always on. Yeah, so you can have, you know, damage reduction, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I have an innate damage reduction because I'm in a robot suit and it's 
a big robot, so I always shave off one damage from incoming damage. Great. But if yeah, you've well, got an active ability in actual action, then it'll change one of the five things you're doing. So you can have something that's like, oh, this is going to change an attack. So I can attack someone and then... Instead of using my mid-result, I can use my max result. Awesome. Yeah. Some And also they'll allow you to do things like uh, attack multiple targets, where normally you wouldn't really be able to do that in most situations. Granted, there's a whole system that'll enable you to take a basic action and turn it into a multi-attack action in exchange for a crazy twist. But we'll get into that. Yeah, the <laughs> the whole thing will give you some type of twist on one of the basic actions and when you pick it you will assign one of your powers to that action so you know if i get an ability that lets me use my max die instead of my mid die on an attack i have to when i pick it say which power i have to be using to do that so if i have you know strength and flight I have to pick, okay, well, when do I do this? When am I hitting someone really hard? Is it because I'm super strong and I'm just really punching them? Or is it because I've got momentum because I'm doing a flying smash? And so you have yeah. to kind of decide, what's the flavor? How am I getting this power? And there'll there'll be a lot of instructions and guided, uh, well, yeah, basically prompts to tell you where to assign powers into the game text of any given ability uh, because... Uh, several of them are going to be divided up like, oh, you can only assign an energy or element power to this, or uh, you're going to get two yellow powers, but they have to use different or different. You get two yellow abilities, but you're going to have to use different powers for each one, uh, mostly to stop a character who has a D12 in something and uses it for everything. Yeah. If you're like, oh, I managed to luck into getting a D12 in one of my powers, I will just use that for everything forever because, you know, I just want to cheese my way into it. The game is, there's a lot of leeway for most of the things where, you know, you'll probably be able to use that D12 a lot, but there are, like Jeff said, a lot of cases where it'll say, when you're picking these abilities, use two different powers. So you can't mm -hmm. just always do that, but if you're making, you know, Cyclops, you're like, yeah, fucking my big thing is I-beams. Great, man, sure. You use your I-beams for a lot of stuff. Good job. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, granted, if you're playing a Cyclops, you're probably going to run into that as a problem at some point and have to be like, yeah, I took, you know, vitality and, and agility because Cyclops tends to be pretty good at those. And I mean, honestly, it, you it, would be taking a lot of stuff as far as like, oh, leadership. I'd have, you know, intuition and presence yeah. because I'm a leader guy. Yeah, and ultimately, you're going to still be flavoring a lot of your powers as being I-beam related, even if you're not actually rolling I-beam. If you're like, I'm going to jump over something, I'm going to use my I-beams as a pull vault. Ah. But anyway, uh, several of these power sources will also grant you a just an, an additional minor bonus here and there. So, for example, Mystical, because you're very trained in the Mystic Arts, will tell you to get an extra information quality with a D10 assigned to it. Yeah. So there'll be little bonuses here and there. And then it'll end the same way the background step did by giving you a set of dice to roll. Yep. Uh, so you get another set of two or three dice, you roll them, and then you move on to the third step, uh, which is archetypes, which now while power source is, 
you know, why you have powers. Archetype is how you have powers, like how you use them. Oh, yeah. So if, you know, I'm Cyclops, I'm going to look at that and go, all right, well, I may be a mutation for uh, how I got my powers, but right now my archetype is a blaster. I am someone who just blasts things, and that's Mm -hmm. basically it. Now, yeah, that's his game. You can have some various ways that maybe you'll have one or two different things that you might look at. You know, if I'm making the human torch, I could pick blaster. I could pick elemental manipulator because I'm all about fire. There's yeah, or flyer because he spends a lot of his time in the air. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can take even something that you would think is just, oh, well, this is only for this type of person and go, well, you you have ways around you know, making something make sense for a character for various things, though, you know, for the most part, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm Punisher. I I have Marksman. That's that's my archetype. Sure. Uh, Some of them make a lot more sense. Like some characters make sense as one. Some characters, especially if you're trying to build an established existing IP from somewhere, you could probably build them a variety of ways. And it doesn't matter. That doesn't mean you need all of them. You just pick which one you'd like to focus on for the, the purposes of this game. Yeah, and it's really just, what do I think is the most interesting aspect of my character? Because whatever archetype you pick, it's going to force you to really pick something that goes with that idea. So if I pick Marksman, no matter what, I have to, if I haven't already, assign one of my dice to Signature Weaponry. I have to have Mm -hmm. something that I use to be a marksman with that is like my thing. So it needs to be like a bow or a gun or something like that, because it is a signature weapon. Uh, That's a big thing that separates marksman from blaster. Yeah. Where blaster is going to be the, I mean, sure, they could probably uh, frame it as a gun. And in fact, I think they can take signature weaponry just fine. But that's also the one that exists for people who are firing eye beams and, you know, chest lasers. Yeah. The... The big difference between this and the other steps is, you know, your background gave you qualities, your uh, power source, power, power source gave you your powers and an archetype you get to pick both. Mm-hmm. So you'll it's kind of you'll usually it's almost a finishing step. Yeah, you'll usually have one that it makes you have because it's the flavor for it. So, you know, if I'm a speedster, they're like, yeah, you you have to have the speed power if you don't already. But. After that, if I wanted to, I could just say, great, I'm going to put the rest of my dice, like the other two that I have, into qualities, because while I definitely am a speedster, I'm not the Flash, I'm Quicksilver, so I don't have a bunch of other dumb powers to go along with it. Again, come at me, DC fans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Take a strong stand against DC today. I, I mean, know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against you on this one. Make mine Marvel for more or less life, but, but you know, it's pretty rough of you. Oh, I know. It's honestly, I grew up on Marvel, uh, mm-hmm. and that was just sort of what I had when I was growing up. And then there was a point where I was like, you know what? I'll I'll try and get into DC, and then they almost immediately did the identity crisis thing where they're like, ha ha, she killed someone because she's so crazy. And I was like, all right, well, you know what? <laughs> I'm good. 
It was it was yep. right when I got into it was the era of them being like, yeah, but what if the Teen Titans did a rape? And you're like, okay, DC, I'm I'm good, <laughs> I'm out. Seinfeld meme. Yeah, I'm I'm all right. That's okay. Yeah, I remember when I tried to buy into DC, it was just like a random comic buy, like a pack of comics, and it was just this story where eight where giant bug aliens were seeding the planet to create new superheroes who they then ate. Oh, wonderful. And so it was and so it was a story about a bunch of new superheroes, so I had no grounded connection to anyone. It was like, oh, it's a girl with a southern accent with the power of being strong and her uncle who's a, a werewolf <laughs> and the two of them get eaten by bugs. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> And it just didn't grab me. That's, you know, what you're going to do. So, yeah, like John was saying, Archetype gives you both powers and qualities. It is also the primary source of green abilities, which are kind of your bread and butter. You can always use these abilities with uh, in any stage of the game. Yeah. And this is also, you'll notice, one of the areas where it'll really try and force you into using different powers in the power source, a lot of the time it'll just say, you know, assign your powers to these things, whatever, it's fine. Uh, with this one, it almost always says, hey, don't don't use the same power for everything. Like, you're going to get two of these abilities, use a different power for both of them. Uh, yeah, exactly. Finally, this is, uh, or not only finally, but also in this stage, you will get a couple of other minor benefits here and there, if it makes sense for it, and you will get your second principle. Yes. Uh, then, once again, it'll give you a set of dice to roll, except this time it's always 2d10. Uh, so you're going to roll 2d10, and just like every other one of the random guided steps, you're going to roll them, take one, the other, or both, and use it to inform your personality. Mm-hmm. And while this is also, you know, what type of character am I? Am I sarcastic, or am I cheerful, or naive, or whatever? It gives you a couple things as well. One is it gives you your out ability. So mm -hmm. instead of your out ability being based on the powers you have, you're like, oh, I'm Cyclops, so obviously my out ability is always lasers. Instead, mm -hmm. you'd be like, oh, well, I'm a natural leader, so when I'm really too messed up to fight, I'm probably boosting someone because mm -hmm. I'm telling them what to do and trying to give them an advantage. So yeah. that out ability is you boost and you pick a single quality die and that's what you would roll to boost someone. Exactly. You take, yeah. Uh, or I guess if you're uh, Cyclops, you could also be knocked out and just lie on the ground yelling Gene. Uh, oh, no, that probably... boosts people. <laughs> that's how he boosts. OK, I was going to say that would hinder my foes pretty well. Oh, no. Like, I got real sick of hearing that guy saying Gene. Oh, yeah. That's why it's a boost for your allies, because they're like, God, the, the quicker we end this, the faster it'll be before you know, he can go back to not just yelling Gene. <laughs> Gene, I'm not unconscious. Stop making eyes at Wolverine. Unless it's, yeah, no. you know, modern X-Men, and then it's, yeah. hey, it's fine. Do, do it. <laughs> hey, that's not canon, that, right? It's just yes, very implied in the background. Oh, it no, is. Oh, okay. it is. Oh, that's good to hear. Like, they hear. never turn to camera and go, we are all fucking. But they basically <laughs> okay. do. All right, because all I ever read was the uh, the start of the the current sequence. The uh, the uh, what do you even call it? The powers the of X, House of X thing. House of X. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, where they all live on Krakoa and all that. Where they, it's very clear that Gene and Wolverine and, and Scott have worked something out. Oh yeah, 
And that but continues they, they on. They never say it. <laughs> That's good to know. Uh, They've got some kind of triad going, and it's nice to see. I'm happy that they finally realized the benefits. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other thing that your personality gives you as well is it will be whatever your status dice are. So mm-hmm. the die that you will use, depending on if you are in the green, yellow, or red zone, will change. And for this, it'll be something like, oh, you know, natural leader, I have a 6, an 8, and a 10 for my green, yellow, red. I get better as things get more difficult. But if you are, you know, a distant character, you're not really someone that connects with a lot of people, when things get hard, you're going to get a lower die. So you go 10, 8, 6 because you Mm -hmm. don't have that, you know, person to lean on. You, You start to look at a desperate situation not as a moment for you to really help out, but as a problem. Yeah. The same thing applies to jaded and arrogant characters who uh, basically lose interest in the fight or decide that it's not worth their time as they start to lose. You know, the arrogant character is going to be like your Dr. Doom, who as he's losing is like, ha ha, I was a doom bot. Fuck this fight. <laughs> and then of and course then you've also- got things like stalwart where it's just D eights down the line. Cause you are, you know, stalwart. You're always there. Yep. Plus a couple of them are just, by the dice are just worse than everything else, like impulsive, where instead of going six eight ten, you go six eight six six eight, which looks bad, but they get a secondary bonus. They get to upgrade one of their powers to make up for it. Yeah. You also in this stage will make up a single quality, and it'll be whatever you want. Just whatever literally whatever you want. Whatever whatever is missing in your interpretation of your own character, you're gonna write down a name for that quality. Give it a D8, and that's going to be an extra quality that you have, and you'll always have it to lean on. Yeah, and this is less about skills, whereas your normal qualities are like, oh, I've got, you know, persuasion or science or whatever. This quality is much more you as a hero. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you could give, if you're making uh, Batman, you would have the quality of like the Dark Knight. So mm-hmm. anytime you needed to use something that is, oh, I'm I'm real spooky and scary, and so I'll I'll use my reputation as Batman as part of my quality. Uh, spooky scary is the D8 quality for my character, spooky scary skeleton. Yes, uh, and I love I- them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, you can put pretty much anything there, provided that because I mean, a D8's not that big of a deal. the The dice pool in this game goes from D4 to d12 there's no d20s but every other die is present a d8 is right in the middle of the road you're going to have plenty of other sources of d8 so even if the uh, special quality you make up for yourself is like ridiculously broad like say dark knight would probably be it doesn't matter it's just there for if you literally can't think of anything else to do yeah now uh just to note d4 only comes up if you're trying to do something you don't actually have a power or quality for Like, if I want to, let's say, read a book of spells and figure out a spell to, I don't know, cancel out vampires, but I don't have magical lore, well, I can always roll a d4 and be like, all right, this is, no matter what, I can roll a d4 for something just because I can try. Yeah, d4 also turns up uh, in enemies. Enemies can have d4s uh, 
it, enemies can be D4s. So you'll you'll see them it, it show up for them as well. But yeah, for the most part, if you have an ability or, or a power or a quality, you at least have a D6. Yep. Uh, you'll get a couple red zone powers, and instead of being based on any specific power or quality, they're based on categories. So you'll get a they're power based on from power categories. Yeah. Well, or qualities. <laughs> or quality category. Pardon me. Yeah, you're working out. You'll get a you know instead of specifically being like, oh, I have to take a speed power. You can go. I've got mobility powers as a, mm-hmm. a category or. You could have a mental quality selection power, and then you can pick, you know, one of your mental qualities to give you a power. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that makes the red zone abilities different from the others is that they're not powered by any of your other uh, selections. They're not powered by power source, archetype, not even by personality. Uh, instead, they're, they're just from categories in which you have powers or qualities already. Yep. Um, uh, so everybody has two, and they and they look a little more similar than some of the other uh, kind of abilities that you're going to find in the game. There is an exception to the whole like these these are category driven. Uh, for whatever reason, the set of psychic powers. I'm assuming because the psychic powers tend to be wildly different from each other. Uh, almost all of them use a specific psychic power. Hmm. Uh, so when you use them, it's like oh, when you this one has to use telepathy. This I one mean, has to use. I'm yeah. going to go ahead and say, looking at it, no. Huh. None You're of right. them do. <laughs> That's weird. That used to, they must have, you know what? I, I must have been basing that on an early read of, uh, or a uh, a version of the book that was older, because I remember that very clearly being the case in, in the last time I read through this section. Oh, yeah. The only thing that actually has any sort of real restriction like that is the Hallmark powers, where there is one yeah. of them that is for weapon, and one of them is for vehicle, or two of them for vehicle, and yeah. those ones have to use that, but that's it. So there you go. You have somewhere between two and four or five uh, t- green powers, three to four, or two to four yellow powers, two red powers, or sorry, all of, I, sh- I should have been saying abilities every single time there. It doesn't matter. You've got some, you've got some powers, you've got some qualities, and you've got your status dice. Uh, you're very close to a complete playable character. Uh, at this step, you move on to the fairly quick retcon step, which gives you a couple of things you can do to kind of move numbers around, add an extra red power here and there to kind of flesh out and beef up your character a little bit. Yeah, it lets you change something if something didn't make sense. Uh, You know, again, if I'm making Cyclops and I ended up with energy blasts at a D8, but I have intuition at a D12, I can go swap two dice in the retcon and be like, oh, that's better. This makes more sense. Uh, Or if I never got access to a power I think I should have, I can add that. A bunch of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of options. So it's a useful kind of... Then, it's not quite the last step, because at that point you're going to calculate your health, which I'm not even going to go into, because we've already been talking for an hour, and we haven't even gotten to how fights work. So we'll just say that you can. I mean, we've already mentioned how your basic roles work, and Mm -hmm. uh, you you pick a power, a quality, and whatever status you are in's die, you roll that, and then either take the mid if it's generic or whatever your ability says. The mm-hmm. uh, way that it works with non-heroes is you'll either have uh, minions or lieutenants, which are just represented by whatever die they are. So you'll if I've got a minion that is a D8 minion, then I just put a D8 down, and whenever they do anything, 
I roll them. Yep. So if they attack, I roll a D8. Whatever that D8 shows is how much damage they deal. Great. Yeah. Uh, and some of them will also have an ability that, that kind of is a rider whenever they like, they'll maybe, oh, uh, I roll a D8 whenever I attack and I attack two targets with that D8. Yeah. Usually that'll be more of your lieutenants who mm-hmm. will have like, oh, I've actually got a little bit of something I can do. I can put a little, a little sauce on it. Yeah, absolutely. But the neat thing about both the minion and the lieutenant is that they have they are a single die, and every time they are relevant, they just roll that die. If they're attacking or boosting or hindering, they just pick themselves up as a die and are rolled against, uh, and then the result of that goes against whatever hero or situation. When they are attacked, when you when you shoot at them, whatever value you're sending over to them, whatever die value you're sending to them, they pick themselves up and roll to see if they save against it. Yeah, so if uh, I deal five damage in my attack, that D8 lieutenant or minion rolls itself. If it didn't get a five or better, uh, if it's a minion, it's just taken out of the fight. If it's a lieutenant, it gets dropped down a die size. If it did yeah. save, minions still go down a die size because you're a hero and they're a minion. I'm Batman and I tried to punch a thug. I don't even care if you're good at trying to dodge. I still did something to you. Uh, yeah. Whereas lieutenants, if they save... They don't take anything. There's like, aha. Yep. yep. So they get, uh, the, both of them have their own way of interacting in a fight, which is smart and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then finally, there is a third category of villain you can fight, and that is villains. villains. Uh, these are the big. <laughs> Look at this net that I just found. <laughs> uh, yeah. He'll <laughs> slip are... and slide on this banana peel. Ha ha ha. Uh,. Villains are the actual names. They're 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 uh you know your Baron Blade if you're playing in this comic universe, and if you're not, then they're your Doctor Dooms and so on. Uh, they are built similarly to heroes, although each one of their categories is different than the heroes. Uh, they have one less category, and they have a lot more powers and qualities that they can throw at people because they need to be big enough to fight entire parties. But the nice thing is, you don't really need to worry a ton about. Like, oh, I've got to do as much as I would for making a hero as making a villain. Uh, most of the time when you pick a category of something, it will just tell you, all right, you have this ability, pick from these powers or qualities. It's a little easier to go through, and there's not quite as many things. Like, you know, when I'm making a character, I've got you know 20 different archetypes to pick from. Whereas this might have 10. Yes. Yeah. And it's, uh, there's, a, there's even a really good quick reference sheet for helping you to just straight up build a hero in a, or a villain in a hurry, which is nice. There's also no random option for villains just because there, you don't really need there to be one. Yeah. If you're making a villain, it's because you're a DM and you want them to fight somebody, actually mm-hmm. make someone for them to fight. Uh, yeah. So villains, villains, instead of having the background and, per, and power source and so on, they have an approach which is the way that they, they deal with being a villain. Like some of them are bullies or some of them are uh, masterminds. masterminds. Yeah. Yeah. There's an archetype, which is kind of the the way that they interact with heroes and, and play. Like there'll be things like predator or uh, bruiser or inventor. And then finally, there's an optional ser- uh, chart for them, which is upgrades. Uh, yes. This is for if you want to make your villain, your villain a little more badass, you can add things like a power upgrade or a, a, a villainous vehicle. Yeah, and it, that's mostly if you're like, oh, you know, I've got a table and 
I'm trying to make a single villain fight, you know, six players. So I'm mm-hmm. going to have to beef them up somehow. And so if you're like, all right, I need to make, you know, Magneto fight all the X-Men at once. All right. Well, I guess instead of just making him regular version, I'll beef him up. I'll give him some extra powers. I'll make it so that he hits a little harder or takes a little less damage, stuff like that. Perhaps he unveils his magnetic personality. Yeah, that's when you can do dumb shit. (laughs) Well, it's Magneto. He's another character with 70 years of history. So, yeah, he can do a lot of dumb shit. Uh, uh, the... There was a whole thing. There was a big old Twitter fight literally today about who would win in a fight between Magneto and Iron Man. That's very stupid. It's not. I mean, the problem is that Magneto's powers have been expanded so many times over the years because the whole thing with Iron Man is that he's always like, oh, no, there's no ferrous metals in my entire armor suit. It's made out of nano crap and, and uh, titanium gold alloy specifically so that magnetism guys can't fuck with me. Ah. But the problem is that Magneto's always just like, yeah, but I still control, like, I don't know, magnetic fields or iron in your blood or something, so I still win. I mean, also, I just, I, I throw so much metal at you. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. the the big thing with that is you can create your villains, make them beefed up if you need to. Also, the categories that you pick from, you can mm-hmm. also make your villain a little weaker if you need to underpowered is actually one of the uh types that you can make a villain if you're like yeah i want spider-man to fight you know shocker real quick you're like okay i'll make him a little underpowered pete yeah Yeah. he just he can be taken out taken out at the beginning of our session without it feeling like oh man we're gonna spend forever on this spider-man's totally the kind of guy who's got a lot of foes that are like that where Really, he just is almost sad to see them more than anything else. He's like, "Ah, oh, come on, shocker, Diagata, come on!" You, unless you're with five other guys and are very sinister, I don't give a shit about you. Yeah, stilt man, go home. You're drunk. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and drunk uh, enough to beat your ass. <laughs> the other thing to note is that when you're making the environment. It also has uh, three qualities to it. So if you're fighting three dice uh, on a volcano, you'll be like, all right, here are its three things. It's, you know, rumbling earthquake, spewing lava and noxious fumes are its three things. Those represent its three dice. Mm hmm. And yeah, uh, because the environment is a very active participant in the game, it is always making things better or worse. Every time it comes up, it'll be like, all right, we advance the scene tracker. So we move towards the red zone and towards the out. Uh, but also at the same time, oh, no, turrets popped out of the walls and started shooting at everybody or a bunch of mooks came running in and they want to get in a fight or, uh, you know, the ground shakes. And now there's a, a, a challenge on the board that we have to deal with before it gets worse. And sometimes it can give you, you know some mixed bag of stuff so it might be like oh we're fighting in the city and like uh the cops show up and they're willing to help you uh fight off the bad guys but also they kind of get in your way so you've both got you know a few minions that will help you out that are on your side but uh they do a one-time hinder action to everyone yeah 
Yeah, so the environment is as much a player as anybody else, um, it, and it's kind of a neat thing to have it there and constantly changing because, you know, a lot of games have kind of a boring static background environment. There's always advice for, like, how to put out hazards and so on, but here it's more or less forced, so you're going to see the environment getting into play quite a bit. Yeah, and if it's a scene where you don't really need a lot of stuff, you don't need to have it be like, all right, we're fighting in a cornfield, I really don't need to have it be every time the environment goes like a corn monster shows up i can just let it be but for the most part you're gonna you're gonna want the environment to do something have some stakes to it yeah absolutely you're gonna want to have it being in, uh, involved and advanced because ultimately the characters in this game are very very flexible and fairly powerful uh there is one last thing we should talk about before we move into favorites and least favorites i know the episode's gone long i'm not that worried about it Meh. uh that is twists yes and twists uh, are both a thing that uh, heroes and villains can have, and they are either minor or major, and mm -hmm. usually you'll get them uh, either from an overcome action, where if you don't roll particularly great on trying to overcome something, uh, a lot of times it'll either say like, oh, you you get to succeed, but you take a minor twist, or you might have something that says you can either succeed with a major twist or just fail because a major yeah. twist will very much for a, you know, more of an extended period of time mess with your character. Yeah. And they can do things like advance the scene tracker significantly or do a tremendous amount of damage. Uh, the, although frankly, I find that the twists that don't just straight up hit you really hard and do a bunch of damage, um, way more interesting than the ones that do. Yeah, there's a list in the book of like, here's, if you don't really know what you want the twist to be, you can just sort of pick from a laundry list of, oh, it, it hinders you, or uh, it makes you hinder someone else, or, you know, you take damage, or it moves the scene tracker, whatever it happens to be. And for minor ones, those are just little one-time effects like, oh, you accidentally, you know, messed up and like you pushed some rubble or whatever. And now you've got to go. There's like a little panel of uh, you made a challenge for yourself where it's protect the civilians from falling debris. But with a major, it can do things that will actually span multiple sessions. You might have created a new villain for yourself. You might have just created an entirely new plot line. Yeah, there's all kinds of cool stuff that can happen with a major twist. And the nice thing is the twists, especially the ones that aren't just like a big damage that hits you, are interesting and keep the story flowing so you don't feel that bad when you hit them. In fact, it's fun to hit a twist. And the twists it's aren't like roll to see what happens. It's very narratively driven. And it's uh, usually it should be the player picks the twist first. They should be the one who's like, hey, this is what should happen. Like even there's whole sections on your character sheet under your principles that are twists and, and what twists, uh, what common twists that occur to you are. So when you get caught in a twist, you can say, oh, well, right here it says that I have a principle of element energy. Uh, my powers are on the fritz. Why is that? And what are they doing wrong? And you can say, oh, well, uh, you know, I'm Gambit and my explosions are going off too early all of a sudden. It happens to lots of Gambits. <laughs> well, wait five it, minutes not you. and fight again. It, it not you. It Gambit. Or, you know, maybe uh, you have the principle of like, oh, uh, hidden identity. I'm Spider-Man. I really don't want anyone to know who I am. And a major twist could be, 
Somebody sees who you are or you let something slip and they realize who you are. And that's the sort of thing where, again, it can have long-term ramifications. Yeah. So those are a lot of fun. They should crop up often and you shouldn't try too hard to avoid them in play because they're neat. Yep. Uh, Beyond that, I think it's a good time for us to get into favorites and least favorites. Do you think so? Sure thing. Great. I'm going to let you go first. What would you say, my friend John, is your favorite thing about this game? I, God, there's a lot to really like in here. And honestly, the guided method of character creation is probably the best of a group of good things. It is so interesting and refreshing to find a system that uses a random role, which any listener of the show knows I fucking love random rolls and stupid tables. Mm -hmm. And having a game that's like, yeah, you can do an entire character made out of random roles, and when you finish, you will have an actual badass superhero is so mind-blowing to me because, you know, if you're playing Heroes Unlimited and you're like, I will do full random roles. Oops, I made dumb shit. Well, the other problem, of course, in, in random roles in Heroes Unlimited is you can have two characters make a robot, and one of them just has more than twice the budget of the other one because that's a random role for some reason. Yeah. The fact that the random rolls get tempered with choice is so huge in this as far as, all right, you roll the dice and you've got a couple options. When you're picking your powers, you get three of them, and these are the categories. You're a little constrained, but you still have freedom. It's that uh, there's the idea of, you know, the constriction can really make you feel more creative because when you can pick from anything, You'd be like, uh, maybe I'll fall back on what I already know, or I can't make a choice when they're like, all right, here's a band of things that you can choose from. You're like, ooh, okay, now I can kind of start seeing how the pieces will come together. Yeah, absolutely. So what about you? Uh, you know, I also really like the guided character creation system here, but I'm going to say that the fact that the powers are reduced to just a die value is something I particularly appreciate because one of the things that superhero games tend to get really bogged down in is overly defining every single power uh, so that, you know, it's like, oh, I have lasers, so I know that I do 3d6 damage, but also I can, if a certain type of laser might bounce off walls or other lasers might, you know, have a, a, a AOE effect. And so it just gets very bogged down and very in the weeds with, with the more powers you add. But here they trust that stuff to the player. Oh, yeah. saying, oh, you have you have elasticity that elasticity to D10. What does that mean? You tell me. Oh, and yeah. Not only do you tell me now, but you tell me during the game as well. Instead of it being like, uh, I have a fire blast that does 5D6. I have an ice blast that does 4D6. Why? <laughs> Instead, it's I have a fire blast. It, it's at a D10 and I can use it for all kinds of stuff. Do I want to use it for a super jump? Sure. I'll just describe how I do it and make the roll. Yeah, it's very permissive as far as how you use your stuff. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of that, and I'm going to say that that's my favorite thing. The same thing with the qualities, uh, especially that that extra D8 that you get during the personality step. I like that because it helps round out your character dramatically. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be my favorite thing. What would you say is your least favorite thing? Uh, there are a couple weird bits here and there. Uh, throughout character creation and I'd say most of them actually got taken care of you know we had access because we uh, backed on the Kickstarter 
to early versions of the PDF. And I would say one of the best things is that they actually listened to people when they were like, oh, if I'm like my category for how I got my power was genetic and all right, it turns out I, I can't get certain things like that was one of the problems. And it still is sort of there. If you have the power source of genetic, you're a mutant. You can't get uh, energy weapon like you yeah. can't have you can't make cyclops just from genetic you would have to then pick blaster to get your eye beams it's a little weird on there and there's also a chance depending on what you put together you might end up having too much of one type of thing like you might end up when you make your character go man i've got like three different ways to boost people i probably shouldn't have that <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can make choices to not end up in that situation, but it, you can also end up in situations where that's the primary list of options being presented to you. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so I'm going going to say my least favorite thing. Uh, I, I will throw a little heat that same direction that there are situations where you end up with a role that doesn't really fit when you're done. Like I, I worked a lot of time on a character that you're going to hear about soon because uh, she's in in uh, an episode or several episodes, probably of upcoming one shot. Uh, but I, no matter what I did, the two principles or categories that she got just didn't make any sense. Yeah, because uh, she ended up with I think it was a responsibility principle or something. But I wanted the character to be like twenty one, so all of these principles of like oh, and also she wasn't on any team yet, so all these principles were like I'm dedicated to my job or my team or something. I was like none of these apply, uh, and I ended up just changing them. I was just like, ah, I'm going to house rule this and choose one from a different category. But I got to say, if I'm really picking a least favorite, um, it's just kind of a tone deaf moment that I don't, it's going to be some tough love. Here it comes. Um, there in, in the bullpen section of the book, there's a, a monster manual of sorts with a lot of minions, lieutenants and various villains and so on. Uh, one of them is the mean streets rioter. And, uh, I, I just got to say, the Mean Streets Rider is a D6 minion, and it's, you know, it makes sense. It's a person who's out causing chaos, but the concept of the rioter has changed dramatically, let's say, in the past 10 to 20 years <laughs> in terms of in terms of how we view them politically and what they mean and represent to the people. The description of them is not great, let's just say. It's, you know, fight the man, burn it down. These rioters don't even know what they're lashing out against, but that won't stop them from lashing out. And I'm like, that is some propaganda bullshit. I, and I know the people who made this game, and I know they didn't mean that. Yeah. But the the basic under, the the, uh, the depiction of rioters as confused looters who don't even know why they're on the street is common propaganda. And I didn't want like seeing it here under the rioter book. Mm -hmm. It should have been more like these people have a damn good reason for being outside. Maybe you should learn it. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you wanted to be like but I just want someone that has a Molotov as a base character. Like, that's fine. You can have just a pyromaniac or yeah. something like that. The <laughs> rioter, the past few years especially, have been, let's let's just say, the let's, let's all, depiction it, here is not as good. Plus the arts of a black woman in punk outfit with like a mohawk. And I'm like, come on now. I mean, she'd be badass if she was in any other picture in this book, but she's the rioter who doesn't know what she's lashing out against. Oh, <laughs> but like I said, I, I know the people who made this game a little bit, at least I've, I've met so, a couple of them for a little bit of time and that there's no way that's what I, it's just tone deaf. That's all it is. 
Yeah. So that would that's probably my actual least favorite thing in here. Uh, so there you go. Would you play this game, John? Oh, obviously. I've played it before. I want to play it again. It's great. Oh, yeah. Heck, I'm talking about we, we owe the people, the people are demanding a number one jam from us yeah. in the form of a uh, another round of a, of a AP series. And I know originally we were talking about doing it in Gamma World, but now I'm thinking this would actually make a very fun AP series to run. Oh, yeah. Very easy so, to make. Mm-hmm. And both of us have an affinity for it, so I think this may be something that not only will I or do I want to play in the future, but you'll probably hear us play in the future. I mean, well, you'll I mean, definitely will if you check out One Shot. Yeah, I was going to say, once that comes out, you can hear it. Yeah, and then we may make more. I really enjoyed this, so yeah, I would play it as well. Now then, as to uh, some cleanup steps, we have our bonus content to discuss before we're done for the day. Oh, yeah. If you... Yeah, if you would like to hear us make characters in this game, and I think we're going to do it on air this time to show off the guided character creation mo- model, all you have to do is go to Patreon and support us. This is patreon.com slash systemmastery, by the way, at the single $1 level to unlock that bonus content and hear those episodes. There are hundreds of them. Oh, yeah, we got tons of content. If you are caught up on the show and you're like, man, I just, I need more Jeff and John in my ear holes. I just need them to get right in there and yeah. root around. Then We're the cheapest ear, ear hole enterers in the business. Yeah. You barely even need to ask us to get up in your business. Yeah. For the cost of a dollar, you get so many more episodes and then you unlock yet more at two and five dollars as well. Yes, indeed. So it's, a, it's a hell of a deal. You'll get all kinds of good stuff by supporting us on Patreon. Uh, once again, patreon.com slash system mastery. And even if you can't support us, you know, monetarily, you're not in a financial situation to do that. Go ahead and, you know, tell a friend, tweet about us. Go give us a rate yeah. and review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify because we're on that. Hell, follow us on Twitter. We have a shockingly low number of Twitter followers, all things considered. I've never understood that. Oh, yeah. I, I have very few Twitter enough. followers. Yeah. Like, we just don't shitpost enough or something. I don't know what it is. But if you're a listener and you're not following us, go follow us on Twitter. It's at System Mastery. And then John is over at Gurgle Spasm. If there's ever a question as to who's tweeting from System Mastery, it's always me. Yeah. I got to the point where I would you know, respond to something under the system mastery thing. And then you would see the same thing and also respond under it. And I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just use my own. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there you go. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, leave us re- reviews wherever with, you know, just do nice stuff for us. That'd be great. Thank if you. you. Could, if you could do nice things for me, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say nice things about our show. <laughs> Okay, uh, I think that's just about it. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you over in that bonus content. Until then, you all have a really good one. 